Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm your co-host, Jeannie Rice, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today's Leap Day, Monday, February the 29th, 2016. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because that really makes this your show. We're in day 12 of our 16-day intensive it's hard to believe that counting today we only have five days left. It's flown by. Let's first welcome Michael. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome everyone. We're honored that you're here to join us once again, or if it's your first time, that you're here to join us for a look into these magnificent principles of forgiveness that were taught 2,000 years ago and that we're Working to Restore to Planet Earth. We just finished in our class a uh, about a three-hour discussion. Uh, and for those who were with us before we started this intensive, it's the first intensive that we've had where on our personal code evaluation, the scores are all in the upper third. And so the platform has been awesome. And the, the discussion this morning, this morning just brought out such powerful refinements in the teaching and the comprehension. It's just magnificent. And I'm sitting here with this fabulous food of plate in front of me. Food of plate. Right. Okay. <laughs> plate of food. And looking at this awesome Mediterranean olive salad, marinated mushrooms, of a pecan pate, a kale dip with uh, onion bread crackers and five different kinds of fresh sprouts and two different lettuces and marinated tomatoes. I mean, we have been eating like kings and queens. And the house that we're in, just to give you the picture, is a two-story house, and there's a fairly long staircase that uh, that goes down into the main floor of the house. And Several of the bedrooms are upstairs, so we're in one of the upstairs bedrooms, and I was just commenting to Ari about how awesome it is each meal we come down, and there's kind of like this air funnel effect that comes from downstairs up through the stairwell, and you just get this waft of this 
awesome food that's being prepared every meal and it's a whole different it's like fresh it's live it's not like you know you go to a restaurant and you go oh aren't those wonderful cooking smells because there are no cooking smells here it's all fresh and raw food but these awesome smells that are coming up are just uh, magnificent so our hats off to Ari and every hand that has been in the kitchen. We've got a fairly small group, so everybody's hands have been in the kitchen quite a bit, and uh, there's been lots of learning about food for for everyone, I think. And uh, the food has just been magnificent. So we appreciate your your skills and your guidance, Ari, and the way that things are set up here as compared to Heartland. The classroom is actually connected to the kitchen. So most days... Ari has just continued to prepare food through the classes and been there and part of the classes and and just keeping the food moving forward. So it's been just magnificent. And as Jeannie says, we're winding down the last few days and we'll finish on Friday and be on the road and back to Ellington. Let's go back and our first project when we get there is going to be to complete the editing of videos. Hopefully we'll get those done and ready to uh, turn into DVDs so that we can make them available. We've got 10 new hours of video and we'll be putting, I don't even have a clue at this moment, how many clips on our YouTube channel. And there are, I think, over 100 clips now. The the first hour of our new four-hour Why Is This Happening to Me Again video is on the uh, the YouTube channel. The easiest way to get to that, if you go to our website, www.whyagain.org, and if you look over on the right-hand side, you'll see all the different you know, uh, social media things, the Facebook connection and all of that. And if you just look, the bottom one is a, a red square with an arrow in it, and that'll take you to our YouTube channel. You can watch the full first hour of Why Is This Happening to Me Again, the newest uh, version of that four-hour workshop, which we'll be bringing out soon. And you can take a look at the uh, YouTube uh, version or the copy of the PowerPoint presentation that Bill Costantino did that just takes 35 years of work on the lost Aramaic forgiveness process and brings it into just full bloom, just right there before your eyes in 24 minutes. It's a pretty awesome video. So if you go to whyagain.org, right-hand side, click the bottom link or the bottom symbol on the social media links, and you'll be looking at our YouTube channel. I don't know there. Do you know how many clips are there, Jeannie? There's 40 some right now. 40? Yeah, we'll probably have, we'll probably double it or more by the time the edits are done. So hold the space for us. We've got lots on our plate, lots going on. We're uh, looking at and communicating. We might uh, be doing some things in Copenhagen, Denmark. We're just looking at how all that falls together and comes together and rocks along. Our schedule is set for this summer at Heartland. If you're ready to do some awesome food and take your work to the next level, you can look at our website and you'll find a link for flyers up toward the top of the page. And that will key you into what's coming this summer. And Jeannie tells me we've got a caller, so let's just jump right in and say hello to our caller. Jeannie? 417, you're on the air. Hey, Jeannie, this is Julie. Where are you calling from? 
Well, hi, Michael. This is Julie. I'm joining you on Monday. Did you remember? <laughs> awesome. Delighted. Welcome. How are you? What's exciting in your world? Um, nothing too exciting. Just, you know, just enjoying the pleasant weather. And uh, they were working on the road here, so that should be nice. All ready for the summer session. Fabulous. Yes, I, I, I hear the food is absolutely fabulous down there. Oh, we have been eating like kings and queens. It's been just awesome. Amazing. And the dressings, the dressings have just been out of this world. And, you know, it's. I was just saying to Jeannie, it's like Ari's just creating this out of his head. It's, it's like we've had, in the last 30 days, we've had almost nothing from the recipes book. It's like, you know, We've got another 200 recipes to put in the book. Well, probably not 200, but just some fabulous stuff. So. Yes, he, he is a child genius when it comes to food, isn't he? Although he's sure. a child genius when it comes to a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I've been keeping in touch with Linda and Susan, and I'm hearing it's a very powerful workshop uh, and intensive. Mm-hmm. Lots moving for sure. Mm-hmm. So, what Good. news do you have? What's exciting in your world? And uh, do you have anything to share with us offhand? No, not really. Uh, I did um, review the Course in Miracles, and I thought it was pretty interesting. You know how you read the course and you kind of go through it and you go, "Oh, this is about forgiveness." And then the other day, I happened to open it up, and I thought it was pretty interesting because um, if you hang on a second. Because I'm always thinking about the results of, um, you know, what's the results of you're doing your work. And it says it pretty clearly in the course when it talks about peace, the attainment of peace. And that seems to be the result of your work. And it talks about how uh, the, what are the obstacles to peace? And um, like the first obstacle, the desire to get rid of peace. And then the second obstacle is the um, the belief the body is valuable for what it offers. And then the next obstacle was the third, the attraction of death, which, you know, I've been... Um, Processing a little bit of that with uh, Linda. And then the fourth obstacle, the fear of God. And then lifting the veil. I thought it was really a special place to turn and open the book. Powerful, for sure. And, you know, the way the world talks about peace, they talk about it as though it's this absence of war, conflict, or what have you. But if you listen to Yeshua, he he speaks of a whole different game than that which is produced by the mind. And that is, and he refers to it as the peace that passes all understanding. The mind can't figure that out. The mind can't achieve that. You know, the mind says, well, if I could stop this war and that war and that war, then the world would be at peace. But there's a whole quantum leap beyond that of the awakening to the true being that we are, the true presence of love that we are and living from that space rather than the stuff of the mind. So it's a good uh, good topic to bring up and a good reminder to, to provide. Absolutely. Well, you know, sometimes, you know, I will, you know, um, 
question my results. And, of course, you know, the blood test and the saliva test were tremendous results. And, uh, you know, it just was directed to pick up the book and, you know, the course and take it off the shelf and then just opening up to there and go, wow. And, And then, of course, all the little subtitles that are in there are just so supportive of one's healing process. It's a great place to go if you really want to get to a space of peace. And, of course, the forgiveness. Oh, am I ever so grateful for the worksheet or the whatever you want to call it. You know, I had the wake-up sheet. The worksheet has been my best friend, and it's so powerful to have that tool. I hear you loud and clear, and it always still amazes me to watch people drop into when they engage that core piece of canceling the goal and collapsing perception so they get to look at what's underneath it. It's uh, it's always, it even after decades of doing it with people, as I know you have, it always amazes me what people can drop into. Pretty, uh, pretty sweet. I also think it opens you up to being receptive to your healing because I can remember um, at times when you would project your love to me and I could feel myself going into resistance. And I would, you know, even though I knew the love was coming and I could feel myself doing the resistance thing, how that softens over time. And even just um, being able to, oh, like, let's say I get triggered and I'll go, okay, so I'm triggered, you know, okay, well, I'll do a worksheet on that or let me breathe. What's the goal? You know, getting to things so much easier than in the very beginning when this whole process started out. And I know that, you know, we've been working on it for a long time, and I, I think the energy is really softening when when I hear about the group that's happening and the, and the personal code evaluations. I think we're really moving to where we want to go. Very powerful, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, let's check in with Dr. Tim and see what's on Dr. Tim's mind. Tim, are you there? I'm here. Hello, Julie. Hello, Michael. Hello, Jeannie. Welcome, sir. The thing that that got triggered in my brain cells when you were talking about, Yeshua talking about the peace that surpasses all understanding and that you can't just end this war and that war and the other war and then you'll have peace. The thing that popped into my mind was the idea that for years, and I was being raised as a Catholic, we were told what you really have to do is you really have to focus on these Ten Commandments. And then I grew up and I realized there were people that thought the Ten Commandments were the path to enlightenment. And I took another look at them and I realized, you know, They may be the first step on the path to enlightenment, but when you look at the Ten Commandments, it's basically somebody saying, okay, look, you got to quit killing each other, and you got to quit lying about things. you got to do the absolute basic minimum, because right now you guys are in crisis, and you have no chance for learning or love or peace or spirituality, whatever you want to call it, unless you do at least these basic ten things. But that's not all that's needed. Because like you said, Michael, you can end several different wars 
that's not going to lead you to peace. That's an absence of blowing each other up. That's an absence of overt violence. But as Julie was saying, there's all so much more on the inside to be done to reach that that state we're calling peace. So that's what got resonated right. for me. Yeah, powerful. The uh, When you realize that Moses is speaking to and delivering things to an, an, a slave mind, and of course there are lots of do-nots because the slave mind tends to be very powerfully wired for do-not, you know, and so, but, but that negative wiring will never have one arrive at that peace that passes all understanding. It just won't ever come there by, you know, okay, I won't do this, won't do this, won't do this. And that's where Yeshua comes in and brings a whole new level. And instead of telling you what not to do, he tells you what to do. And that is to stand as a space of love, to reclaim your human life and to experience and express that. 24 7 365 no matter what anybody else is doing and then goes forward and gives the tools for how to achieve that and it's just magnificent and monumental to uh to see that was part of our discussion today was just how magnificently effective these tools are when you see them in their original aramaic context and then you bring them forward to the context of your own life and use them, and the changes, the differences that are made are just beyond comprehension. Well, anything, Tim, happening in practice today that's uh, reflecting as patterns that we might want to bring to mind or be aware of? Well, the pattern so far today is people wanting other people to change. And um, and there's been quite a bit of resistance to the concept that even if I focus on somebody else and get them to change, I'm still making myself a slave to the concept that they have to maintain that change in order for me to be happy. So that's been the pattern this morning. Help me get my partner to change. Help me get my son to change. Well, that, that's that's never going to lead to satisfaction in anyone's life. So, and I'm, I have to join Julie in saying that's why I'm very grateful for the tool of the reality management wake wake up sheet or worksheet because that's trained me. The more I use it one worksheet at a time, it's trained me to the truth of the fact that I can get peace or calm or shift my internal experience without anything on the outside changing, without anybody else changing. And that's been just a huge blessing in my life. Anybody still there? We're still here. I just had to push my mute button to uh, to get back on. So let's check with Jeannie and see if there's anybody out there with a question in the chat room or anybody with a hand up in the phone queue, Jeannie. Yeah, we have a hand up. We have a hand up. 
Julie, I'm leaving you on if you mute your phone when you're not talking. That way you can pop in and talk at any time. Thank you. So our, our caller is 760. 760, you're on the air. Give us a name. Where are you calling from? Oh, hi, Michael and Jeannie. It's Don David in Palm Springs. Well, hey, we haven't heard your voice in a while, young man. Welcome. How do you be? Well, I saw you on social media, so I got out of the habit of calling in to the radio show. Uh-huh. Um, I do have uh, a specific uh, question on forgiveness today. Right. Okay. Um I have a friend, I don't know whether to call her a friend or an acquaintance of 15 years. And some years back, she helped uh, one of her friends steal two of my paintings. So I forgave her for that. One second, I I missed that last statement. She helped two friends to do what? Steal a couple of my paintings. Ouch, okay. And... Oh, her husband died, and I I just forgave her for that because I didn't want to put her through any, you know. Your first big mistake, eh? And then the second time she stole an earthquake kit from me, earthquake preparedness kit. Did, and you, know did the, you catch my comment, Don? What? That... When you said I forgave her for that, that was your. I said my reply was that was your first big mistake. <laughs> well, I know that saying "fool me once, shame on you; fool me twice, shame on me." And uh, it happened the third time. She referred a mechanic she lives with to fix my vehicle and he ended up not fixing it and costing me $500 and I pretty much want to end this friendship with her. Before I do that, I always do a pro and con list of of that friend and, well, the cons are just running off the page with her with a couple of good pros. And I just wanted to get your take on, um, you know, like Dr. Tim said, you know, you can't change people, and I don't expect her to change for me. Um, But, you know, I did miss her, but on the other hand, I don't want to set myself up for more abuse, you know. Right. So the first the first place I would go on with the whole uh, story is to back up to the point where you said I forgave her and my input would be that you never forgive anybody ever for anything that's a big mistake if her behavior is off base and you choose to pardon her that's one thing, to let her off the hook for what she did. That's pardoning. That's not forgiveness. Pardoning, and yes, we, yeah. 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 So we've been taught in this culture that pardoning is forgiveness, and pardoning isn't forgiveness, it's pardoning. So, gee, you know, that was really inappropriate for you to steal from me, and I'm going to pardon that. I'm going to let that go in terms of holding you accountable for it. But then 
the forgiveness work is really the inside job and what's going on inside of you and cleaning that up. So in that situation, what actual forgiveness would look like? Gee, I just found out, and, and let's assume that it's not just the perception, but it's the fact that she's stolen two of my paintings or helped somebody to steal two of my paintings. So what forgiveness would look like, The kind of the core of forgiveness in that situation would be to look at what it is that you wanted from her, which was likely for her to have integrity and to support you. And then what forgiveness yeah. would look like, remember that the word forgive in Aramaic is shebeg, and it means to cancel. So what for actual forgiveness would look like, as opposed to letting her off the hook, would be to cancel the goal for her to have integrity and support you. And what happens when you do that is it collapses the construct of the mind that we call reality, and I get to look at what's underneath that construct. I get to look at the part of me involved. And so if you remember the worksheet process, and I know that you know back when when you were calling in, you were doing worksheets and, and seeing shit, yeah. but I don't know if yeah. you're putting the pen to the paper anymore or not, but I'd suggest putting the pen to the paper and uh, start canceling those goals not because it's unreasonable to expect her to have integrity and support you, but because if that goal isn't met and there's some turmoil inside of me, I'll get to clean up the turmoil inside of me. I'll get to remove what never belonged that helps to pull that into my experience. You know, we we talk about Marcel Vogel and the camera that he has to take the picture of the high-energy waves that leave the mind when we think a thought. Nobody comes to steal from me unless there's a part of me that cooperates with people stealing from me. And so the forgiveness process is, you know, is designed to drop into the part of my mind that thinks I deserve to be stolen from or thinks I don't deserve to be paid or, you know, whatever that dynamic is. And so the real forgiveness process is dropping inside my own mind and cleaning that area up. So that I'd, I'd suggest maybe doing a couple of worksheets around that and see if uh, if the situation and the circumstances start to shift and look different, and you get a different experience of her. Well, my question, I guess, is: Should I blow her off as a friend? Well. Uh, you know, this is I love what, uh, I love what um, Einstein says about the way our perceptual word, world works. He says, if you think you're separate or separated from the rest of humanity, you're living in an optical delusion. So I, in the context of Einstein's understanding that we're all connected, I, I would phrase that question a little differently. The question is, should I blow off a cell in my own body and not relate to it anymore? Okay. And maybe as I look at, you know, what I need to throw out from my structure, I might start to perceive and see her differently. And, you know, perceiving and seeing her differently could look like, you know, I notice over the years that one of the things you choose to do is be dishonest and steal. So I'm going to, you know, you're someone that I relate to, and I, I kind of miss you, so I'll be glad to come and hang out with you, but, you know, we're going to do it at the restaurant downtown, and 
No, you're not coming by the house where you can pick something up as you walk out the door. You know, there's that old saying that's, you know, trust in Allah and tie your camel. But in yeah. the meantime, to, to keep collapsing into by forgiving, collapsing into the parts of your mind that need healing around this situation and why you would draw dishonesty in would be where the real work of forgiveness lies. The other stuff is pardoning. Okay. And as far as you blow her off as a friend, you know, I would never direct anybody in one direction or another. You know, each person has to make their own choices as to at what point uh-huh. do I say I've had enough of this relationship or I haven't. And But, but you know, people oftentimes, there's, there's a fabulous song which we tried to play last week and it didn't come through very well, but Google it and give a listen to Alanis Morissette singing the song Madness. And that song starts out with the words, I've been so unwilling to see this turmoil in me. The thought of sitting with it leaves me terrified. She goes into a chorus and it says, I realize the madness in me is brought up in the presence of you. And now I realize wow. that the madness lives on when you're not in the room. And so I should be saying thank you for this bird's eye view. Thank you for being my mirror, in essence, is what she says. And so you might want to just give a listen to Madness, the song Madness by Alanis Morissette. It's a really sweet melody. I'll look it tune. up on YouTube, yeah. Yeah, the words are profound. I mean, clearly Alanis has been doing some deep work to come up with this piece of music. In fact, we played it two or three times in the intensive just to keep remembering. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. The madness in me comes up in the presence of you, and I could be saying thank you for showing me what I need to clean up, what I need to deal with. And, you know, there's another line where she she talks about how, you know, this prolonged exposure – in other words, just being with you for X amount of time and you bring up so much garbage in me and what I want to do is deny and avert my eyes. I don't want to look. I don't want to deal with that. And when we kick somebody out of our lives, it's usually because they're bringing up something that we want to uh, avert and not deal with. So she gives a, a well, I'd piece like to of, be uh, lazy. of information. I'd like to be lazy and just hope that she would change, but um, she's older than me and I know that's not going to happen. Yeah. And and it might be time to sit sit with and be with some of the madness in you that you've been resistant to looking at. She you know, another line in the song is, you know, it's always been so easy to cross my arms and roll my eyes, like look what's wrong with you. But now I realize yeah. that your presence keeps bidding me to look inside, to look at the stuff that I've been unwilling to look at. It's a powerful, powerful piece, and it really sums up, I mean, the essence of, uh, of the She's work. She's an excellent musician. She's really oh, awesome. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Fabulous. There's another one called, another song she does called Crazy that gives some really powerful insight as well. Oh, I love that song, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
So I hope that's been supportive, okay, well, sir. I will. Think, I hope I will think about that and get my worksheets out. And I have done some hard therapy over the deal and a pro and con list. But get your worksheets out and do that. Cool. And if you jump on the website, the latest one, uh, we've made some changes uh, since the last time. Maybe you looked at it. Uh, there's some uh-huh. you know subtle refinements. So the latest one, if you go to whyagain.org and click on the bullseye, scroll down the page a little, click on the bullseye, and the second link will take you into the latest worksheet. And uh, and as you oh, do it, if okay. you come up with, you know, I, I think it's maybe been a while since you visited it, so when you go back to it, you may come up with some new questions and such, and so we'd be delighted to hear back from you and any refinements or support we can be in actually engaging in the process. We're going to make a habit of calling in, I guess. We'd be absolutely delighted, and you'd be most welcome. And, uh, you know, our whole reason for being here is to create support. And, and you know, somebody who's really doing their work always comes up with questions that are a gift to the whole community. That, that's one of the things that's been happening in the intensive here. Uh, there have been different people asking different questions. And, you know, when you're working with a high-level group of people, the, the, the questions are such a key in the process. So we appreciate when you call in with a question. Awesome. Oh gosh, you made me so hungry earlier. <laughs> I'm a vegetarian and so You're you're connected to my Facebook page, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Go look at go look at the last few postings, the last couple of days. I actually posted our menu from last night and a picture of the table and it is I mean Oh really? You know, yeah, I, I finished up with the uh Actually, Jeannie, as I was posting it, suggested that I um, I put on it, and you thought raw food was boring, but, you know, of course, we're doing all this fresh and raw food, and the the food has just been so magnificent. It's been amazing. Amazing. Uh-huh. We've just been... And I'm actually, as we're talking, I'm looking to... Uh, See if I can get I, I you just you know stimulate me to think I should now. is that Tabuli? Say again? Is that Tabuli I'm looking at on your page? Uh you your your phone faded a little bit. Say it again. Oh. I thought that looked like Tabuli. Oh, on your page. No, actually, the thing that looks like tabbouleh is a Middle Eastern olive salad. Oh, and, uh, but our, our dinner yesterday, I posted, uh, here, here's what it looked like. We had uh, a pecan pate, a Mediterranean olive salad, a dill coleslaw, a cashew coleslaw, fresh-made pickles, a kale pate, a tomato marinade. We had five different kinds of fresh sprouts. Rainbow chard salad. We we got this organic rainbow chard here in Florida, and the stems of the rainbow chard you eat them and they're just like eating sugar. So the salads have been just awesome. We had nori rolls, uh, and the nori rolls were stuffed with avocado and um, pickles and sprouts. Uh, we've had a rainbow chard carrot apple soup. We had Asian kale with a live miso dressing, fresh romaine with the red pepper walnut dressing. So that was dinner yesterday. I mean, the food's been awesome. And so, you know, definitely anything but boring. And nobody could go hungry here. It's just, 
everything has just it been sounds so like awesome. It. Yeah. yeah, it's been pretty cool. Well, I'll let you go and let somebody else talk. All right, lots of love and bless you, Don. Take care. Bless. Bye-bye. Bye. So our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Sweetie, anybody else with a hand up or a thought or a question in the chat room? Okay, well, for those who might be in the chat room, that find that it won't let you type if you just do a simple registration process with uh, Blog Talk, then you can ask questions in the phone queue. And uh, I'll see if Julie has anything else on her mind or Dr. Tim. Just fine. I thought that was fabulous. I'm enjoying listening. Cool. Yeah, you know, I realize more and more as as time unfolds in working with this work, and is that uh, what what's really valuable is the questions because they refine. It was actually a a process we did this morning, and someone was asking about a way that I handled something with someone we were processing, and you know, it, it wasn't something that I'd thought about before. We ended up with about an hour discussion on this question that just opened up and refined so much. It was just, you know, awesome. And one of the most valuable things about teaching and working with uh, people all over the globe is getting to interact with people in the refined questioning process. You know, things I've never conceived of or thought about. Somebody says, well, what about this? Ooh, need to go in and ask about that. And it, the, the questions are just the really valuable things and and also interestingly enough where people go into resistance becomes a huge gift because where people come into resistance where blockage of truth exists it's an it's an opportunity to inquire as to what is the truth what is going on and so it's uh it's awesome to get to uh, to play the role of teacher. And, of course, as I play the role of teacher, I recognize that I am totally and completely an eternal student, and I'm still learning from this work just as much as anybody else is. Each time I teach it, I get the blessing of another piece of the puzzle. Have a question? Oh, Jeannie says she's got a question for us. It was texted to me, and I'm not sure if it relates to what Don David was just talking about. But they want to know what healthy boundaries would be then. What would they look like? Okay. So the question is, and sounds like perhaps related to what Don was asking, is what about healthy boundaries? Well, I'm not sure what a healthy boundary would be because when I start talking, and I know there's a lot of conversation about boundaries in the culture, well, let me put this fence up so you don't cross it. Let me put this fence up. And I think one of the things we need to be careful of when we start talking about boundaries is that we're not simply going into resistance and a defense against looking at something that's going on inside of us. You know, when we talk about, we go into the codependence workshop, there are 10 different um uh, pseudo-solutions that we open the space to look at. And one of the pseudo-solutions of the non-being mind is if I could just control everybody and everything, nobody get close enough to my stuff and I'd never have to look at it. And so I think that a lot of talk about boundaries is I'm going to set up a fence so that you won't be able to show me this piece of madness that's inside of me. 
And if you cross that boundary, as uh, Alanis Morissette says, I can just cross my arms and roll my eyes and say, well, you crossed the boundary. You have a problem rather than go, whoa, there's a response in me to what you just said or did that's unlike love. I think I have some healing to do. And then when I get to get to really tell myself the truth, as Alanis so beautifully says, is, yes, the madness in me comes up in the presence of you, and damn, I'm starting to figure out that the madness lives on in me when you leave the room. It's not about you, it's about me. So I'd be careful where you go with those boundaries and make sure that you're responsible for yourself living as the active presence of love. And when you do, rarely are you going to find anybody who's going to come crashing in on what you might call your boundaries. Rarely. Doesn't mean it's never going to happen, but when it does, the first piece of business, the first order of business is, I need to go inside myself and look at my own madness. I have hostility about this, then I have an insanity about this, and that insanity is my work, not the fact that somebody else crossed the line. If somebody else crossed the line, and let's say it's something that is inappropriate, illegal, immoral, that's their work to do. But if their illegal, immoral, you know, unconscionable behavior brings up something less than loving me, I've got to beware the temptation to focus on their problem, which clearly they do have, and focus on my problem, which is my response to it that's based in hostility or fear. If I want to become a conflict-free being that creates conflict-free relationships, I have to go inside myself and clean up conflict. I can't everywhere I have a conflict say, well, I'll, I'll put a boundary up there. Let me put a fence there. I'm going to put a wall there. Don't get too close to this. And now that I've controlled everybody, then you see I never have to look at my stuff. Because here's what happens if you become really good at creating boundaries like that. Those energies you've been blocking against, being shown to you, the madness inside yourself, literally is a frequency that exists in a cell and is destroying the cell. And I'd offer those frequencies, those energies, are the only cause of death, disease, and suffering that there are. So take down the walls, let people in. Doesn't mean if somebody repeatedly violates that you have to hang out with them. You can say, thanks, I see you choose to live that way, and I choose to live this way. And, man, the way you live has brought up lots of madness for me, so now I'm forgiving, I'm working through my own madness, I can hold you in a space of truly in a space of connected love and say, and I don't need to hang out with you to accept your battering. So that would be my input and my thought on that one. So what would be, when you advised uh, Don, you know, to that perhaps, you know, he would still stay in contact with her, however he would... um, you know, not bring her to his home where she could steal something. So that's not a boundary? What would that be? Well, my take would be that would be more in alignment with trust in Allah and tie your camel. You, you function realistically. You know, you you don't hang a $100 bill out on the the, uh, the the telephone pole where thousands of people pass every day 
and you expect that it's going to be there a week from now when you go back. It's going to be gone. You you function intelligently, and you function with respect for where people are at. That would be my take on it. And if uh, if if there's any other subtlety or question in that regard, I, whoever is, I don't know, are the questions coming in the chat room? No. Oh, the text. Okay. Well, you could just dial 646-200-4169 and let's have a conversation about it. And, you know, perhaps there's a, a deeper insight for you and for me in uh, in conversation, if that's appropriate. Other than that, if you're on the phone and you push one, that'll put a hand up. Jean will see that through the magic of technology on her computer screen, and she'll introduce you by your area code. If we can be of support, we'd love to hear your voice. And feel free to change your name. Oh yeah, and feel free. You know, if you if you're like, well, gee, I don't I don't want to introduce myself and be known by the world. That's fine. Uh, you know, give us a different name. I don't care. I just want to call you something. So you know. If your name is Bill and you want to introduce yourself as Charlie, that's okay with me. We'll respect that boundary. Even if we know who you are, we will not change your name to what we know your real name is. <laughs> so so we're just here to hold the space and to the best of our ability deliver these tools and this understanding that uh, comes out of the first century Aramaic with such magnificent insight and well, Michael, I have some such input on gift. boundaries. Oh, please. Yes, sir. Go for it. The way I have talked to people about the concept of boundaries for years is to say, when I talk about boundaries, what I mean is everything I say and do that educates the people around me about what I think is acceptable and not acceptable. And often in the beginning when people hear me say that, they get all excited and they think that's a great idea because I'm going to tell this person this is acceptable and that's acceptable and I'm going to create this boundary and that boundary. And they get all excited until I tell them the other half of the equation, which is that everything I do educates the people around me about what I think is acceptable and not acceptable. So if I'm a person who tells their children, you have to tell the truth, don't ever lie, you always make things worse when you lie, and then the phone rings and I, and one of my children gets the phone and it's somebody I don't want to talk to and they say, Dad, you know, it's Dr. Larry, and I tell him, tell him I'm out of, tell him I'm out of the house, tell him I'm in the backyard and I can't get to the phone. Well, I just, my behavior right then is telling my child it's okay to lie. And that really gets people to wake up and realize everything they do is training people around them to think it's okay to tell an off-color joke and Tim's just going to laugh at it or tell a racist joke and Tim's just going to stand there quietly and nod as though that's okay. So Everything I do in every context is creating signals for the people around me about what I think is acceptable and not acceptable. And that's what I discuss with people in terms of boundaries. 
And as long as I'm staying focused on the things I have control over, and I'm not trying to change other people in the situation that, you know, Don David was talking about, if he focuses all his energy on what this other woman is doing that is his friend or acquaintance, and he tries to get her to quit taking things, or he tries to get her to quit telling lies, he'll, he's going to be nothing but frustrated. But if Don focuses on himself and chooses to make clear statements when he finds out that she's been untruthful, or and like you said, Michael, if he decides, well, you know, I like her company, I like her sense of humor, I like her, her ideas on politics, learned from these two or three episodes that it isn't responsible for me to have her around my house where either she can't control herself or I set her up to do another dishonest thing, so I'll meet her out at the coffee shop or we'll go to a restaurant. And in that way, my behavior is communicating that I like her as a person and that I respect myself enough to keep my stuff private and out of her control. So boundaries aren't these rigid things. They aren't fences that separate me from other people, the way I talk about it with people. Boundaries is a concept I use to help educate people to the fact that everything they say and do is communicating their values and priorities to the people around them. Great point, Tim. Awesome piece of the puzzle. Thank you, sir. And you're entirely welcome. If that brings up a question for anybody and you're in the phone queue, push one and we'll be here to answer your question. Or if you're not tapped in yet to the show, if you're listening on your computer or in the chat room or on one of those stations we don't have access to, then dial in to 646-200-4169 and ask your question. We'd be delighted to hear from you. Yeah, I'd like to say something about boundaries. Go for it. Uh, Okay. Within my classroom, um, you know, there there were oftentimes different types of behaviors and children that were maybe more liked than others, you know, by different teachers, et cetera, because we did change classes and things. We had gym class, music class, um, you know, art class. And so, you know, there were teachers that believed in boundaries, and it, for me, it just never felt right to create a boundary between myself and another child. It felt that I was shutting them out somehow or other, and somehow or other, if I'm shutting them out, I'm also going to be shutting myself out. It was much better if I could learn to receive them and do my work around them so that we could get to a place of honesty and trust, and that we could have um, a different relationship, a relationship that was based on fairness, like I see who you really are, not that I have to control something or limit something, that I can um, feel you, experience who you are. And I noticed the more work that I did, the less boundaries there were. There were just simply a small set of rules that if we all followed, we were either on target 
or we were off target, and it eliminated a lot of the um, the um, labeling and defining somebody who they aren't rather than who they are. I think boundaries is uh, it can be a major problem um, when we set something up to in a way, protect ourselves, think that we need protection or that we need to be in control. The more I let down the curtain um, and uh, deal with the word vulnerability, the more I can, actually, I went to the word naked. And naked doesn't mean without clothes. It means, you know, that you are just present for everyone. You're you're open, receptive. And I think that that is where I'd like to be. And I found that that was more valuable to be there in my classroom than to set up any boundary of any kind. Perfect. Part of our discussion, actually, this morning, one of the participants brought up one of the Star Trek movies. And... Uh, I actually just jumped, jumped online. I, ha- I hadn't seen it, but it was the Star Trek V. And I guess one of the themes in the movies is, movie is that there's this guy who goes around to people, perhaps looking like a threat, and basically he is a space of love, and he invites people to share their pain with him. And there are people who go into resistance. No, I need my pain. I'm going to keep my pain. And there are others who are willing to give over their pain and let go of it as part of their identity. And so it was a pretty interesting discussion about the difference between looking outside and looking inside. And uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing Star Trek V and seeing how the, uh, the whole thing, you know, gels. But ultimately, to me, a true human being is one who can say to anyone, share your pain with me. And rather than suffering with another, what one does is stands as a space of active love, which functions to melt the suffering of another. And if we could just get people who, instead of raging and traumatizing themselves and others around them because of their own unresolved pain, would go in and resolve their own pain, resolve their insanity, or as Alana says in her song, the turmoil in me, when I can sit with that turmoil and let go of my defenses and she says, if I let go of my, if I did that, I would just be paralyzed. And, but, but the true human being, instead of being paralyzed without defensive, is this powerful, healing, sweet presence of love. And to me, that's one of the attributes of true human life. And what we're working to empower in the world is a community of those that we might call elders, nothing to do with age, but those who literally can stand in the presence of another's pain and hold love conscious. And as we're able to do that, 
it supports the dissolution and the removal of pain. And the world is more desperately in need of that today, I think, than it has ever been. And so Jeannie tells us we've got a caller, so let's say hello to our caller. I think it's Ron Blakely, 781. Area code 781, is that Ron? Area code 781, you're on the air. Yes, yes, yes. Hi, everybody. Hey there, young man. How are you? I am well. I'm well. I am uh, so nice to hear Julie's voice. Hi, Julie. She must be on mute. Hi, Ron. <laughs> Good hey, to hear you. Boundary conversation. Can you hear me? Loud and clear, Ron. We got you. Uh, By the way, I, I, I did get your text the other day, Ron, and I'm following up with that. And as soon as I get uh, some input, I'll be back to you on that one. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I think it's um, funny that uh, what I think regarding boundaries, and I'm not a big fan of, of boundaries, and I'll explain what I mean by that. And I think it has to do with you know, with the two examples where you spoke about meeting at a restaurant rather than meeting at home, um, to me it comes from, it comes down to where you're speaking, where I'm speaking from. And it's funny that you were talking about the Ten Commandments earlier on because the Ten Commandments are boundaries. You know, these are the boundaries that, you know, thou shalt not. And, and that's a defensive posture. And to me that's trying to avoid doing my work, whereas... Your conversation, your spontaneity in wanting to meet in the restaurant was in the flow of doing their work. And so it's a subtle distinction. Um, but to me, boundaries are something that uh, typically I'm trying to avoid doing my work. I'm trying to set up something that so that I don't have to be I don't have to be there. I can just set up rules so that I won't have my stuff triggered. Whereas you were thinking, okay, I love this person, I want to be with this person, but I have to take care of myself too. And in real time, you're, you're coming up with kind of a, a, a way forward that works, and you continue to do your work in that context. But you're not going to then cling and say, never again, we'll always meet at restaurants from now on, and that's going to be my defense. That's my defense. You're saying, I still want to be with this person. I'm doing my work. Meeting at my house doesn't work, but I'm going to meet them at a restaurant and then continue to do my work in that process. And so the boundary is, it's not a boundary, it's a, it's a problem-solving effort in the course of doing my work. Does that make sense? I'm not hearing anything. Yes, it makes sense to me. Thanks. Pardon me, I have my mute button on. Yes, it does make perfect sense, Ron. And yeah. unfortunately, we're down to the last few seconds, so we're going to need to close out in just a few seconds. But uh, but I think you're you're right on track with that. And as I do my work... I can recognize that there is a place for problem solving, but many people try to put the cart before problem solving and never bother with it. I don't want to look inside as opposed to, and I think you said it very eloquently, I continue to do my work and I solve the problem. I look at it realistically from where I sit and, and I, I don't avoid doing my work, but continue as I solve the problem. And, you know, you're right on track. That's That would fit perfectly with the responsibility communication tool. We're down to Thanks. 10 seconds, so I'm going to run. Have a blessed day. Best year yet of your eternal life. Awesome. Give the world blessings. Bye-bye.